love the word. Wow, worship team's not through. They're just right now. We're just we're just doing it the way the Holy Spirit wants us to do it. We never know when we come in how we're going to go. We just want to follow the leading of the Spirit, don't we? And to interrupt this moment, the presence of God is so intense in here this morning. To interrupt this moment would be, I believe, not pleasing to God. So we're going to. I'm, and this is so fitting because the title of my message is "Command Your Blessing, Reframe Your World." All of you that came up for for healing and those that are listening uh, uh, by uh, internet, you can reframe your situation. You can change your world if you'll change your words. You know, we started talking last week about living the blessed life. And we looked specifically last week at the financial blessing and how God has established a vehicle for financial blessing called tithes and offerings. We talked all about that. And when someone says, I can't afford to give, I tell them, you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give. And we looked at that word blessing in Genesis 1.28. It's the word Barak. All this is going to carry all through for the next two or three weeks. But that word means to be endued with power for success and longevity and overcoming. It means that you have the potential in you for victory. You have the potential in you for success. And God, God implanted into each one of us this potential. And what does potential mean? It simply means that you have the ability that might be late and it might be hidden that can be developed and lead to future success. See, you might have the ability for success or you're going to develop it. God's given you everything. Let me tell you, when you get revelation from God, responsibility's right there with it. When you have revelation, you also have responsibility to do something with it. And so we have the ability to be blessed. We have the ability to be successful and fruitful in authority and dominion. But that does not mean it's going to happen. God gave us a book of instructions. He gave us a book of instructions. In Deuteronomy 440, he says, if you obey this book of instructions, he says, life is going to go well with you. So if if someone says, if I obey, this is going to happen, that means if I disobey, it's not going to happen, right? Is Is that just common reasoning, common sense? So we can command the blessing, and we're not commanding God. Don't misunderstand. We're not commanding God. But to command the blessing means we're honoring God because we're taking faith and attaching it to his word, and we're declaring what he says we can have. That's what it means when I say we are commanding the blessing. And Jesus said in in, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, this is what he said, your kingdom come, told his disciples, you pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed is your wonderful name. Man, we need to know all the names of God because they reveal his character. Hallowed is your wonderful name. Holy is your wonderful name. And then he said, in the imperative mood, by the way, if you, know, if you Greek people, your English people know what that means. The imperative mood is a mood of command. It's a mood of intent. It's a mood of exhortation. It's a mood, but it's also a mood of possibility. But he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, this is the way you pray. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is saying to pray in this manner and command the will of God into the earth. And our words are to be tools to command the blessings. Our words are tools to command the blessings that God has already placed in our lives. And so... You know, it's interesting that we sometimes think we disqualify ourselves. Like, I did this and God's mad at me, so now it's not going to be for me, you know. Do you think God knew that Abraham or Abram at the time was going to have an Ishmael? But he didn't say, okay, guys, sorry about that. What's that you said? The ship has sailed. <laughs> Joe Amber. 
Sorry, the ship has sailed. We're, I gotta go find me someone. I know he, he knew Ishmael was coming. Let me tell you something. It doesn't take a God to create an Ishmael, but it does take a God to create an Isaac. And so you think about Abraham. He was 87 at the time Ishmael was conceived. Now that in itself is pretty wonderful, right? (laughs) So, so, you know, 13 years down the road, he's further away from what would seem naturally possible than he was when Ishmael was created. But see, God was still in it. God was still in it. And so we got to pray God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. So Abraham's mistake didn't nullify God's intent and his promise. And I want to tell you, that's the same thing for you today. Whatever mistake, whatever you've done wrong does not nullify God's promise in your life. Just get back on board with him. God had to get back on board. What did he have to do? He had to send Ishmael away. You know, we need to get rid of some of our Ishmaels, okay? I'll let you work on that one. Okay, I'll let you work on that one. But we need to get rid of some of our Ishmaels. And we need to learn to speak the will of God in our life. And when we speak the will of God, this is called prophetic declaration, prophetic declaration when we speak the will of God. We're commanding the blessing. And I've just given you a few little definitions. This is nothing new to any of you guys I know. Prophetic declaration is targeted prayer that releases the will of God into the earth. So prophetic declaration is I'm saying what God has said. I'm releasing that declaration into the earth to bring about his will. Because God does nothing unless he does it through us, right? It's praying the very heart of God. It's praying the heart of God. Pray, a, a prophetic declaration is not coming to God with our prayer list, but it's going to God to get his prayer list. That's what prophetic... We want God's prayer list, don't we? God's not interested in our prayer list. He wants us to have his prayer list. And it's the heart of God revealed through two things. And we've done a lot of teaching on this, the, the written word logos and his revealed now word, rhema. We, we know a lot about that. And I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not going into a lot of detail about that. I think most of you probably know, but prophetic declaration is releasing the language of God into the earth realm to bring about the purpose and the will of God. So we have to know what God's will is. Now, how many in here know it's God's will to bring healing to your body? He says, I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases, right? That's his logos, right? Well, what's his rhema about that? You mean, let me just give you an example. 20, I've told you this, 2013. Diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, God's will was that I be healed. But you know what his rhema was to me? Change your lifestyle. That's how healing came about. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll just take a word and we'll, it's like salvation. If I come to the altar and I repeat after somebody, okay, I'm saved. No, you're not unless you're doing the will of God and making Jesus Lord of your life. It's not just about repeating a word. It's about getting it into your heart. It's, it's James one twenty one, where it says it's the engrafted word that saves our souls. It's the engrafted word that brings about transformation. So you and I can quote scripture all day long. If it's not engrafted into our heart, it's not bringing about some type of internal transformation. It's just an intellectual Christianity. That's not even anywhere in my notes, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> So prophetic intercession is all about authority in Christ. It's all about taking authority in Christ. It's about warring with God on behalf of his will and his plan. See, we need to get the prophetic will for God for our families. Now, we know it's his will that they be saved, right? That's the Logos word. 
But what is God saying specifically about praying for that child or that grandchild or whatever it might be, your business, your job, whatever it might be, your church? Are we getting the now word? Are we getting that that rhema word? So our language can release or destroy God's blessings in our lives. Our language can release or destroy. Jeremiah 23, 28 through 29 says, Let the one who has my word speak it how? Faithfully. Let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. That means to speak with certainty or to be sure about something. How sure are we about the word? Well, I think God wants to heal me. But, you know, I did this back in 1968, and I don't know. I think he's still angry with me. That is garbage. That is God, God is for you, not against you. If you've repented, it's under the blood. Forget it move on, right? It's the devil that condemns. We say this all the time. It's the devil that condemns. So it is, it's like a fire. What does fire do? Fire purifies. But it's also like a hammer, and it's going to break. I love that song we're singing, we've been singing. It's like a, it's a hammer that breaks. It destroys strongholds. It breaks off chains. It breaks bondages off of people. Those obstinate sins. Those obstinate sins. And we have to know what God is wanting in every situation. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 says, Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. Fools are destroyed by their own words. We, we know that the fool says that there is no God, right? Proverbs 14, 7 and 8 says, Stay away from fools. You won't find knowledge on their lips. Yet we got to be careful who we hang around. If you're going, if you're going, I tell you, if you're sick, don't hang around somebody that's going to tell you how it's God's will that you, that you, well, you know, God doesn't heal everybody. God's already healed everybody. It's whether or not we want to take it or not. Right? He says, the prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. So one of the greatest obstacles in the life of the believer is the way we handle the word of God. It's the way we handle it. And we have the power to reframe and restructure our lives. You have the power right now, whatever situation is going on in your life, to reframe and restructure. Where do you get that from, Donna? You got, I got chapter and verse, Hebrews eleven three. I'm going to give it to you in two translations, then I'm going to tear it apart in the Greek, okay? It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen and was not made out of things are now visible. Well, that's a big deal, God's, but we know Genesis 1. We're all about Genesis 1, right? Well, let's look at the Amplified. By faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages... They give a little better description. We're framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Okay, that's getting closer to it, right? Let's go back and look at what the words really say. Back to the ESV. By faith we understand that the universe or the world was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So let's look at that word. What is that word universe or world? It's just simply, you know, aeon. That's all it is, is aeon. And it's a, listen to what it says. We think about all this eternity and, and it can mean that. But it also can mean, and I believe it means in this scripture because of what the rest of the chapter says, I believe it means a segment of time. A, 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 a part of time, a, a particular unit of time. So we're saying by faith we understand that particular units of time were created. Now that word in the Greek is katartazo uh, or something like that. It doesn't matter. But it says it means what has been broken. It means what has been broken to complete, to fit, or frame for oneself, to repair, to renovate, or to restore. So that gives a little bit of a different meaning to that word, create. Now, Paul could have used all kinds of different words, but this is, or whoever wrote Hebrews, this is maybe Barnabas. Um, 
He could have used any word he wanted to use. It's interesting the words that they chose to use. And then the word word is not the word logos like the scripture. It's the word rhema. It's a phrase, a brief statement. It's a spoken word. It's that, it's that now word, that revelation. So I'm going to rephrase this. It says, through faith, we understand the specific segments or pockets of time were framed by the rhema word of God to create out of nothing something necessary. Okay? You with me on that? What in your life needs to be reframed? What in your life needs to be renovated? We have pockets of time in our life, just as there were pockets of time in all through the history. And these pockets of time can be re- reframed, renovated, repaired, restructured by the rhema word of God. By the rhema word of God. The rhema word is what creates out of nothing something. Okay, now Donna, why do you think this? Why do you think that's what they're talking about? Because the rest of this chapter tells us, and and I'm not going to take time to read it, but these are the things that tells us through successive periods of times, kingdoms were subdued. Okay, that's a pocket of time, right? Works of righteousness were completed. Promises were obtained. Mouths of lions were stopped. Fires were extinguished. Lives were saved in war and enemies defeated. Weakness turned to strength. The dead were raised. Some refused to deliver from their trials looking forward to a better... Re- these are all talking about pockets of time. So because of pockets of time, because these, these people that are... And there's all... It's, you know, it's the hall of faith, they call it. And they name all of these people that are instrumental in bringing this about. Because they chose to speak the, the now rhema word of God in their situation, they were able to bring about something that was necessary. You and I have that same privilege today. God's word is, is no different. His, his word is no different. But see, you've got to have that rhema word. And I, I want to say it again. The Bible says you're healed, but it doesn't say you can live any way you want to. That's presumption. Oh, God says he's going to heal me. I'll just go ahead and do anything I want to do. I'll eat any old way I want to eat. I'll live any old way I want to live. No, God's word says you're healed, but his rhema word is going to tell you how to walk out that healing. Now, God might have a miracle, but 99.9% of the time, he's always going to have a plan first. Okay? We want to walk around saying, I'm a son of God now. I'm a son of God now. Are you? Do you live like you're a son of God? Do you walk like you're a son of God? Do you act like you're a son of God? Or you just got a label slapped on your shirt like Larry? like John, like Donna, whatever it might be, like Joe, that just kind of tells us who we are. But are we really that? We need to have that label on our shirt. Larry needs that label for healing. Gary needs that label for healing on his shirt. But I'm telling you one thing, he's got to learn to walk and hear what God is saying about it. Okay? The Bible tells us how to get saved. But sometimes there's there's something called textualism. Anybody ever heard of that? That's one of those seminary words, but what it means is, basically, we've taken the word and we've intellectualized it. We've intellectualized the word. So the Bible tells us how to get saved, but this particular method of teaching tells you you're already saved without doing anything different, without any changes in your life. It's destructive. And that's where we've been through in these recent decades, I believe, that we've taken the Bible and we've so intellectualized that we've removed the power of it. And so all we know is we can quote scripture right and left, but are we walking in the power? Are we walking in the obedience? Are we walking in the authority? James 1.21 says, so this is why we abandon everything morally impure. Let me tell you something. God is calling us to go deeper. God is calling us to go deeper. Yes, he is, Lori. 
And this is why, how we're going to have to do it. We're going to get rid of everything that's morally impure. And all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word that has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't say you're a son of God or you're a believer and you're walking around here doing all this junk that half the world is doing just because you come to church and you got Christian label on your shirt does not mean you that you belong to God. I'm preaching to the choir. I know all of you guys are awesome. But let me tell you, somebody out there needs to hear this. You can't do what you want to do. He said, if you diligently obey my word, he said, it's going to go well with you. It's going to go well with us. That's the promise of the word. Do we believe it? But it's if. If I don't do it, it's not. So Logos is the promise when the word is life with us by the spirit. The power present brings about the transformation. So Logos is the word. Rhema is the life word. Okay, we understand all that. It's like the water bottle is Logos. Taking a sip is Rhema. All those piano keys are Logos. Hitting that one key in perfect timing is, is Rhema. It's hearing what we need to hear. So we say, well, that's New Testament. As, you know, let me tell you this, Old Testament too. And I'm, I'm going to bring up, a, I haven't talked on, uh, taught on this in quite a while, but I love this scripture in Ezekiel 37, the dry bones. This was not just something new. This didn't just happen with Kenneth Hagin. He had incredible, thank God for the word of faith movement because it was a springboard for the next step. And, and we needed that. We needed that. But it's not, it's not anything really new. It's just somebody decided to read the Bible and, and do what it said. That's what it was all about. So let's go back to Ezekiel 37. And I want you to apply this to your life today. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. What would you say? You see all these, can these bones live? I don't know. You know, God, can, you know, I don't know. What was Ezekiel being presented with? He was being presented with the will of God in the situation. But he was asking us, are you going to get on on board with God? Are you going to get on the same page with God? The Spirit of the Lord revealed to Ezekiel the dry bones. God wanted to do something with the dry bones. See, God wants to do something with this dead nation. He wants to do something with our city. He wants to do something in our schools. Can these live? Can our nation be revived? Can our city be reborn again? Can the windows of heaven be opened and pour out of our city? You're saying it because you have the eyes to see. God has revealed to us what his plan is for our city and for our nation. And dry bones represent areas of ruin, devastation, destruction, and death. What do we see? God was asking Ezekiel to look at the ruins See, God is asking us to look at the ruins, but we don't fear the ruins. We speak to the ruins. We speak to Washington, D.C. We speak to the Supreme Court. We speak to our governor. We speak to the schools. We speak to these things. I want you to look at the areas in your own life. Where are dead bones in your own life? What's the will of God in that situation? Go to his logos. That's his will of God. Can these dry bones live? Can you hook up your faith with God long enough to believe that God's going to bring about a change? Do you see ruin? Do you see prosperity? Do you see health or do you see sickness? Do you see destruction? And it doesn't matter what you see with your natural eye. You've got to see it in your spiritual eye first. If you don't first see it in your spiritual eye, you're never going to see it in your natural. 
We had a business insight meeting last night. I'm so excited about those that are in business. What do you see in, in your spiritual eye about your business? Don't ever look at what you see in the natural. What's God telling you about it? And nothing can change in the natural till it first changes in the spiritual, right? What can you believe for? Do you dare to have faith to connect with what God says about you? And then we get over to verse 4 and again it says, Again he said to me, now he's, he first he said, Okay, Ezekiel, what do you see? Now he says, I want you to prophesy. In other words, I want to give you my now word for this situation. Let me tell you, nowhere in Scripture could Ezekiel go back and find anything about speaking to dry bones. He says, I want you to prophesy to these bones and I want you to say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is so powerful. What is God's word about your dry bone situation? Quit speaking what everybody else says. What's this word about our nation? We're forming one nation under God. Devil's not getting this nation. It might look like he's winning, but he's not winning because we got a way maker, miracle worker working in the background, right? We've got that, and we're not letting go of the promise of God. He said, hear the word of the Lord. So what is that rhema of revelation for the specific situation in your life? And he says, thus says the Lord God to these bones. See, what is God saying to these bones? Not what you're saying. He says, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you will live. Then you will know that I am the Lord. What is that now word concerning that situation? What is the now word concerning your situation? Do we know how to hear the voice of the Lord? I'm telling you, we started face to face this past Thursday. It was exciting, wasn't it? It was so exciting. I was going to do it every other week. And they said, no, we want to do it every week. It's all about intimacy with God. It's all about walking in that place, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into him. The Lord told me last Sunday, he says, where you want to go and what God is, is calling you to do as a person, as a church, is not going to be done with flippant Christianity. And we've been living in flippant Christianity in our nation. Thank you, Deborah. What is God saying to you? What are you hearing? If you're not hearing anything, there's a problem. There's a problem if you're not hearing anything. Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. There's a Hebrew word called paga. That's that word. That is that direct word. It literally means to throw or to, you know, to throw with a a stone or an arrow. It means to hit or to break. And in Psalm 103, it says, suddenly a sound came, suddenly a voice a voice from heaven repeating the word of the prophet. Angels will do the bidding of the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, when you release Paga, when you release what God is saying, you're releasing God's angels to go and do the work that he has been called, he wants us to do, that we've been called to do. It's not you and I doing it. Sometimes our only responsibility is to release the word. We think we got to go out here and do this and do that. Well, God might just say, just sit tight. You release the word. I'll take care of it. Because he's always working in the background. He's always releasing his his angels, his warring angels. Terry had a vision several years ago of just, I don't know, gazillion, countless warring angels coming on the scene. And they were like this and they were ready to go. And they were poised for battle, weren't they? Waiting on the release word. Are you releasing warring angels? Are you releasing, you're going to release some kind of angel, by the way. You're going to release warring angels on God's behalf. You're going to release the angels who want to bring evil assignment against you. What are you coming into agreement with? What are we coming into agreement with? We release what God says and he releases it into the earth. And God has given to us authority. We have to understand that. When we prophesy, when we pray, 
what God is saying, I'm telling you, we're setting heaven on edge. The warring angels are released. And so then we get to verse 7 and it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them, but there was no breath in them. Now, how many have said, well, you know, it only partially worked, you know. I got a little bit healed, but not totally healed. I got a little better, but not totally better. And also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Don't stop too soon. Don't stop too soon. He said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army, from bones to a great army. How incredible is that? From poverty to riches, sickness to health, from children in disobedience to children serving God. This is, we got to prophesy what the word of God says. We got to believe it, the specific will of God, and we can't stop too short. We cannot stop too short. What's dead in your life today? Speak the word of God over it. Speak the word of God over it. If your marriage dead, speak to your marriage. Now, God's going to tell you to do a few things, like you might need to act like a human being to each other, right? Sometimes we nullify the blessings of God with our, our stupidity and our foolishness. We do. Well, I'm going to be prosperous, but I'm spending every dime I can make. God's going to just keep bringing it in, bringing it in, bringing it in. That's foolishness. We want to be good stewards, don't we? And what God gives you to initially, initially may not look like much. But let me tell you something. God sees it as something great. It may not look like much, but God sees it as something great. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Do you have the courage to speak the vision that God has placed in your heart? Let me tell you, be careful who you speak your vision to. You don't want to speak your vision to everybody. Because not everybody can receive it for various reasons. And we ask another message on all itself. But let me tell you something. You find somebody you can, you can hook up with. They can help encourage you. As Barbara says, find somebody that celebrates you and doesn't just tolerate you. Find somebody that's not going to be intimidated by your success. Find somebody that wants what's, what's in your welfare rather than not. We have to understand the power of that now word. Luke one thirty eight. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's the word rhema in the Greek. And the angel departed from her. Never had an angel spoken to a woman and said, You're going to have a baby by the Holy Ghost. Never. She said, Wait a minute, I got to go back and check my library. I got to see what so and so wrote about this. Let me tell you something. When God speaks the now word, nobody's written about it. Right? We, well, we, we want to go back and get confirmation from somebody that hasn't even walked in the path we walk. It's so important to be careful. The rhema word is for this season only and usually has no prior pattern to it. Luke 5, 5, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, rhema again, I'll let down the nets. See, the word was specific for that moment. The nets were in the same water. It was the same old nets. It was the same sterile water. It was the same worn-out fisherman until rhema happened. 
And when rhema happened, suddenly the waters became full of life. The fishermen became full of energy. The nets became fruitful. And what they do? It brought all this fish in so much that they could not even contain it. That's what a now word will do. Ephesians 6, 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, the rhema of God. The sword is not symbolic of the Bible. The sword is symbolic of, of judgment. It's symbolic of warfare. But whose sword is it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the Spirit's word. It's that rhema word. It's that now word. That's the sword of the Spirit that we need. Don't fight the, today's battles with the last the last season strategies. It's not going to happen. We can't fight for our nation the way we fought for our nation 40 years ago. We've got to get the now word. What is God saying now? What's he saying today? Mark 11. I told you I'm feeding you out a fire hydrant. All these, these notes are up on the podcast. I love this scripture, Mark 11, 22. We've taught at it so many times, and I know you're familiar. But Jesus answered saying, have faith in God, number one. That's the number one thing, you got to have faith in God. If you don't have faith in God, you don't have faith in his word, right? It's all intellectual. 61% of Christians today believe in some type of new age philosophy. 61%. Four, four key points of new age philosophy. You know, like uh, the horoscopes, astrology, all this other stuff. They believe in, in that. 81% of those believe at least one of those. One of those four tenets of the new age. And these are people that say, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. 61%. Why do you want to go and look at, at what somebody else has to say if most of them are believing some type of new age theology? You better know who you're talking to. Get the word. Get balanced. Get in this, be in the word yourself. Be in the word yourself so you can know when somebody's telling you junk. Right? Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Now, that mountain is, he was looking at a literal mountain. Our mountains may, this may be symbolic of our own mountains. It may be symbolic of our problems, our family, our finances, our church. Whatever it might be is symbolic. And then it says, but be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It'll be granted to him. Believe in your heart what you're saying and don't doubt. Your heart is this. Your brain is that. This is going to give you the intellectual. This is going to give you the faith. You connect in the two. This is your this is your mini brain. Psychologists have even named it your mini brain. And when these two come into agreement, there's nothing that can be held back from you. It says, but believes that what he is saying is hap- going to happen. It'll be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them. They'll be granted for you. Why do we have trouble with this? Because most people aren't willing to dig in deep into God and, number one, get his desires. We got our own desire. We go to God with our prayer list instead of coming to get his prayer list. See, God knows what he wants for all of our families. We're trying to tell him what we want. He's, I'm not in any of that. We get what God wants. Then we believe it and we speak it and it's going to come to pass. Are we willing to put forth the effort? Most Christians are lazy. 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 Because they, they I don't... That's too much to read through the Bible in a year. That's 15 minutes a day. I'm even going to go there. Thank God God's not too busy to hear our cries. Thank God he didn't say, you again? 
I think it was this one day this past week we talked about the persistent widow. Or was it Friday, I think? And she kept coming and kept coming and kept coming until God just got, I mean, the, the, the guy got fed him and said, give her what she wants, get her out of here. How much more will God do that? He's not the wicked person. He loves to give to us. Change your world with your words. Okay, I'm going to give you some things you can do. Number one, that means you're ready to change your world. Number one, you've got to mix faith with your word. It's got to be more than an intellectual assent. In Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, it says that the word did not benefit them because they did not mix it with faith. You can see anybody can sit in a church all, all, the, all day long, hear the word. If you don't mix it with faith, you've just heard the word. It's just intellectual. Luke 5, 5, when I talked about the disciples throwing the nets into the water, what did they have to do? They had to believe the word enough to throw the nets into the water. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do what you say. Nevertheless, at that now word, I, yes, we, we fished all night. Lord, I've done this a thousand times. I don't know what's going on. But one more time, he said, throw, throw those old, ugly nets, those empty nets into these old waters that's never yielded anything. Suddenly, they get life with the rainbow. The rainbow word will life your situation. Number two, don't get impatient and give up. Keep speaking to the dry bones. Don't get impatient and give up. I've been praying for that kid for 20 years. We'll keep praying. Eternity is a lot longer than 20 years. Number three, expect to receive. Don't doubt in your heart what, that God wants to bless you. Quit listening to the devil tell you you're not good enough. God made you good enough if you receive Jesus as Lord. He made you good enough. And you know how you're going to know if you're expecting to receive? By the words coming out of your mouth. I sure hope God comes through. I just want him to come through in time. I just want God's will. Never happened in my family before. I don't know why I think I should get anything. And these are things I've heard from people who's calling themselves believers. Well, you know how it is with us. We get so close and then the rug gets jerked out in front of us. That's a distorted concept of who God is. Number four, prepare yourself to receive. Don't wait until the blessing comes to prepare yourself. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. If you're praying for a business, then begin to prepare yourself for the business. Because when the opportunity comes and you're not prepared, it's not yours. It's going to somebody who prepared. If you're wanting a baby, I don't know if anybody in this crowd right now today is wanting a baby. I hope not. Who said, wow, another Abraham and Sarah. Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. Decorate your nursery. If you really believe you want a baby and you really believe in it, do something. Get a room and make a nursery. And be ready for that baby. I, I was telling somebody recently about a story, Creflo Dollar, when he first started ministry and he had nobody coming. And, and he just had this vision for people to come. And, and, and he had like 20 chairs out or something. And the Lord told him to put out 200 chairs. So every Sunday he'd put out 200 chairs. And he taught and he preached and he acted like he had 200 people in the, in the church. What was he doing? He was preparing himself to receive the blessing. Are you preparing yourself to receive the blessing? Have you cut yourself off because of a diagnosis? 
Well, I'm not playing, making any plans for next year. Make plans for next year. Make plans for next year. Well, you know how bad the economy is. Well, make plans for next year. We're planning a trip to Hawaii because we can't stand the, the, the Caldwells. We're going to ask you to go with us. <laughs> uh, we're all going. Yeah, we'll have Sunday church in Hawaii. Maui. Maui. Yes. We'll go to the crater and the sun coming up. It's, I tell you, it's a spiritual experience there. <laughs> but prepare yourself. I mean, we tell by what we say, what we do. We can talk all day long about being ready, but if we don't do anything to show that we're really believing and trusting God, we're not really believing it. We're not believing it. Act like you already have it, number five. You talk like it. Don't go spending money you don't have. I'm not talking about that now. I'm talking about using wisdom. But you talk like it. You walk like it. You act like it. What would you do if you already had the blessing? How would you act? How would you talk? Man, come look at my business. It's growing like crazy. And it is because God's always working in the background. He's the way maker, miracle worker. Right? Because I know my God is for me, not against me. If you need a good marriage, I want to ask you, how are you treating your husband and wife now? Treat them the way you would if they were perfect. Love them the way you would if they were perfect. You're already saved. How would you treat your children if they're already saved? I remember 40 years ago, our son was, well, not that long because he's not that old, but uh, I guess 30 years ago maybe, something. Anyway, he was out in Arizona. And every time he called, I was on the phone. You go to church Sunday, Chris? You go to church and meet a girl. Is she a Christian? You know, and I could feel the walls going up. And Pastor Robbins, I remember sitting right over in here on a, in a pew, and, he, and I said to Pastor Robbins, I don't know. He's just not doing like I want him to do. And he said, get off his back. He said, <laughs> he said, get off his back. He said, do you not think Holy Spirit can do for, you know, reach him? I got off his back, and I never mentioned it again to him. It wasn't long until he was telling me he met this girl. They were finding a church. I mean, you know, I've told this story. What happens, you know, sometimes the enemy just gets in there and creates walls because we're beating them over the head with a Bible verse. I treated him as if he was already the way I wanted him to be. I'm telling you, it's so important. One, one last, how you change your world. Now, this is what you might need to do, some of us. Three things, and this is right out of Luke 4.18. You've got to repent of the words that you have spoken that have created destruction and death in your life. His pastor used to say, dig up those old seeds. Pluck up that stuff by the root. Pluck up that negativity. Repent of words that you have spoken over yourself and over others. Those death curses. Number two, you have to renounce any word curses. Those are evil assignments spoken over you by yourself or others. Well, my mom always told me how stupid I was. Renounce that. I break out demonization. I rebuke the power of the enemy from having planting those seeds in my life. And then because generally when they say it, we repeat about it. Well, you know, I'm not smart enough to do that. You don't have to be smart enough. God's smart enough. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have no squad. God knows it all, right? You just co-labor with him. And he'll give you, he'll give you supernatural intervention in that area. And number three, you have to replace negative words with the words of life. And life, your dead situation. You life a dead situation with a rhema now word. 
Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences, good or bad. One translation says for good or for evil. If you're going to say something, it might as well be good, right? James 3, 5, and 6 says, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness and corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Your tongue can control the very course of your life. Your tongue can control. I want us to, I want us to seal this with communion. And then I want Dan to come and I, and just, we're going to have our worship time. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. And grab your elements, if you would. That's my last sentence. Don't be hung by your tongue. Command the blessings of God. Don't be hamstrung by your tongue. Let's stand, if you will. We're going to receive the elements of communion. I think most of you have heard this type of teaching before. Maybe maybe it be new for some of you. I don't know. Maybe some listening. Maybe new. I'm just telling you it's the Word of God. We believe in a balanced Word here. We're not looking to excite you. We're looking to transform you. I don't want you going out of here with goosebumps, and then when you get out, nothing has happened, really. You have a flat tire, and then all of a sudden your life falls apart. See, that's that's being excited. That's not being transformed. There's nothing wrong with being excited either. Let me say, is something happening during this process? Are we truly allowing the Word of God to come in and change our nature? That we walk different, we talk different, we act different. Let's wipe yours. So let's take the wafer. And we want to break the wafer because the body of Jesus was broken. He said, do this as often as you want. And do it in remembrance do it in remembrance of what I've done. Everything we that I said to you today is all about being in relationship with God. Nothing happens outside of relationship with God. Nothing. Nothing. Lori, come. I want you to talk just briefly about face-to-face. So face-to-face started um, last week. And um, I just want to encourage anybody who was not on the Zoom to get on it because it was amazing. We need to hear the voice of God so that we know what the vision is for us. Um, And it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I remember a time when, you know, we all pray. We pray that we want more of God. We want more of God. And we don't know how to get that. And um, let me just read this to you. This is from the book that we're using. And um, to me, it's like perfectly stated because it's God's heart. We're created with a void to want to know God. And before we realize that, we try to fill that void with everything and anything else. I mean, think about your dreams. How hard do you work to buy a house? How hard do you work to do this? How hard? So how hard do you work? to become intimate with God. It takes work. 
Anything worth having is worth working for. Let me just read this. This is from the book. The image of Christ is the fulfillment of the deepest hungers of the human heart for wholeness. The greatest thirst of our being is for fulfillment in Christ's image. The most profound yearning of the human spirit, which we try to fill with all sorts of an of inadequate substitutes is the yearning for completeness in the image of Christ. The image, the image of Christ brings cleansing, healing, restoration, renewal, transformation, and wholeness into the unclean, diseased, broken, imprisoned, dead incompleteness of our lives. It brings compassion in place of indifference, forgiveness in place of resentment, kindness in place of coldness, Openness in place of protective defensiveness or manipulation. A life lived for God and not self. Okay? Our words determine our destiny. We are blessed. If anybody did today's reading, you know, in Joshua 18, Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh, was given the best land and the most land. Yet they went to Joshua and complained. They said, we don't want to clear out the woods. Okay, and there were giants there, and we don't want to do this, and we don't want to do that. Okay, well, they never got the land. That you know, they never got it. We choose. We have to choose to want to be intimate with God. It takes work, and God is waiting for us. You know, in Solomon, Song of Solomon, my favorite verse is four nine, and it says, "With one look of my eyes, I hold his heart hostage." He has a passion for us, each and every one of us. So if we just look to him, intimacy is a done deal. So I would encourage all of you to get on the Zoom class. Yes. Aubrey and Joe Amber, come talk about the previous. This is not their first rodeo on, on spiritual formation. I know I didn't give you any warning. That's kind of the way I operate. I, like that. I want that now word. Yes, you can sit down a second if you want, if you're getting tired. Well, I'll say that um, that summer that we went to our first spiritual formation, I had decided, okay, I am going to get closer to God. And so I got all my Bibles out. I got all my books out. And I said, okay, let's start reading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, okay, something is missing. And so... We went to spiritual formation, and I learned what was missing. God comes to you as you prepare your heart and as you uh, seek him, but he comes to you. You seek him, but he still comes to you and speaks to you. You don't command him. Here I am, study and come hold and um, speak to me now. I'm ready. (laughs) So it was just an amazing experience. And really, if you haven't gotten on the Zoom call, please do. It will change your life. And the other, another key thing is it's a decision that you have to make. Um, Because it's so easy to get busy and distracted by life. And I've been so guilty of that in the past. And it tends to try to creep back in. But uh, I was telling Pastor Donna and Terry yesterday, I said, 
I think that when we did spiritual formation several years ago, that was the first time I'd ever stopped for three days and turned my cell phone off and pulled away from the busyness of life ever. And, um, and I can remember after seeking God and just being quiet in His presence, starting to get downloads from Him. And it was the most incredible thing in my life. And again, I still have, I would encourage you, if you want to hear from God, and if you, and, and I will say too, I think the day we're living in, it's yes. essential. Absolutely. Essential. But if you want to hear from God, I would encourage you to jump onto the uh, Zoom call and just learn how to be become intimate with God. And it'll change your life. I mean, you may be saved, but this will change your life now. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's Thank good. you. Thank you so much. Yes, and you know what they said was so important because seeking God, we never really find Him. I mean, we find Him. We never get completely complete in seeking him is what I'm trying to say we seek him and then we just realize we need to seek him more he's he's past finding out and he opens up and he gets larger and larger and broader and broader and and so all this is all spiritual formation is is putting ourselves in a place where God's spirit can work in our hearts and in our lives so then we can go out it's all about intimacy it's all about relationship we talk about fighting doing battle you can't do battle if you're not in relationship with God you can, but you're going to be beaten up. If we're not intimate with God, forget it. Especially in this day, we've got to hear the voice of the Lord today. We've got to hear it. And most believers don't know truly how to hear the voice of the Lord. Most believers. I talk to so many. I know. What does that mean here from God? I read the Bible. I come to church on Sunday. What is he saying to you? God's not going to tell me. Well, he could tell me, give me some idea. But he wants to tell you what he wants you to do with your family, your finances. You know, and and so we get, we get this. I say Christians are lazy. I want you to tell me so I don't have to dig. No, you want to dig in this season we're in. If you want, if you want what God's got for this season, you got to dig like we've never dug before. I believe. Let's stand, if you will. So we're going to take the bread, and God, we're just so thankful for the broken body of Christ. We're so thankful, Father God, that by the stripes on your back, we were healed. God, we appropriate this healing now to our bodies. Father God, I thank you, Lord, as we take this bread, Lord, we are taking the the uh, promise that you have for us that, that by the stripes on your back, we were healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, that washes away the sins of the world. Thank you, God. That has given us justification. We stand in your sight justified, Lord. You've opened the door, Lord, that we can now become like you, become in the image of Christ. We can we can go through that process, Lord, of being transformed into your image. And knowing that we will only be like you when we see you, Lord. Thank you for that process, God. Thank you for the excitement of the process. Thank you that you don't that you're not going to leave us the way you found us. And God, whether we've been a believer a week or or 40 years, God, there's still that pursuit of you that we desire. God, we want to pursue you with all of our heart and soul. Let us never get tired in the pursuit. 
Thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Now let's worship. 